You're listening to the Common Fan Podcast, a Husker football podcast for the common fan by the common fan. Welcome back, fellow Common fans, to another edition of the Common Fan Podcast. Quick reminder to follow the podcast on your streaming platform of choice. Follow us on Twitter at, at CommonFanGBR. And if you want to send us an email, we'd love to hear from you. That's CommonFanGBR at Gmail. Dot com. I am TJ Burkle, as always, alongside Maddie Owens Sr. and Geoff in Lincoln. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, TJ. Today, boys, is a monumental day for uh, the Common Fan Podcast. We are so excited to have our first ever guest on the show and even more excited by who that guest is. He has nearly 30 years of experience as a TV and radio broadcaster. He is a former co-host of Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the number one afternoon show in Omaha. He founded the Bottom Line Radio Show at the Omaha World Herald. He is the former host of Severe and Benning in the morning on 1620 The Zone. He currently serves as the executive director of the Jet Award Foundation, as well as the host of the weekly podcast, The Let It Fly Show, and the host of Big Red Wrap-Up. Apparently, the only thing he does not do is sleep. Joining us now <laughs> is Michael Severe. Michael, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm doing really well. I, I love these. Uh, the fan podcasts are great. And I was just talking about it with somebody yesterday over at Heard At. They're all over the place, and, and people love them, and they a lot of them have gotten traction, so I think it's really cool. Well, right. we really appreciate you joining us and appreciate you saying that. One thing that's not in your in your bio, at least online, but I want to make sure to mention as we are mere weeks from Veterans Day, you're also a veteran, correct? Yes, U.S. Army. I was uh, air. So I went in because I couldn't do school. You know that whole thing? You go to college <laughs> and you don't do very well. And I was working two jobs and I was uh, I was doing very poorly, like 0. 0.0, whatever, uh, grade point average. So um <laughs> Yeah, I, I walked into the MEPS on, on a day with a buddy of mine, and uh, he didn't go, and I did. And I, I was a helicopter maintenance guy and uh, loved it. It, it. it completely changed my life. It gave me direction, um, made me a much better man. That's super cool. Uh, thank you for your service. Yes, obviously. thank you for your service, Michael. What, uh, what kind of places, where did that take you? Where were you stationed? Well, I was in uh, Fort Rucker, Alabama, because I started off with the Huey, um, which I loved, great helicopter. Um, and then I ended up going to Virginia, because I moved over to the Apache. I did the Apache for a while. So I was anywhere from uh, Kentucky to Alabama to Virginia. I also did a TDY over in Germany because they do a cold weather training on the helicopter over there to make sure no matter where we're fighting, we're good to go. After okay. having to go down, we went to Panama uh, years ago as a country to fight, and we didn't realize that the humidity would affect the avionics of our helicopter. So after that, they started making sure that they would do trainings in all different kinds of environments. And the one over in Germany was a cold weather training that we did over there for, uh, oh, for cool. 12 weeks. So did a little bit of travel. It was pretty cool. Um, I did not go to the storm. I got the uniform. I got the name tags, but uh, it lasted, you know, hundred hours at that time. So <laughs> <laughs> didn't, uh, didn't make it over there, but, and I was out by the time, of course, you know, 9-11 yeah. stuff happened. So, well, there's was, a lot going on in the world. Is your, are your oh, yeah. helicopter maintenance skills up to date? Just in case. Um, I can still <laughs> fix a Huey. Um, no, there you go. About, the great thing about working on something like an Apache or any of the modern helicopters, they're all compartmental. So you just pull a piece out, send it off. They fix it. You put it back in as a maintenance guy. The Apache, you actually, I mean, the Huey, you actually got in there and you caught a pinned and you, you safety wired and you, you fix stuff. You know, they don't, they don't necessarily do that nowadays. Good old fashioned American. That's awesome. So, uh, Michael, we're excited to hear more about uh, the art of the punt return and your work <laughs> at the Jet Award Foundation. Um, but we'd love to hear a little bit about how you how you ended up in Nebraska and ended up doing sports media. I know you're not from the state originally, and I think you started, you know, after the Army, you started doing um, local news, but not necessarily sports. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so uh, when I got out of when I got out of the Army, I went straight to college. I was living in Houston. Went back to Houston, Spring, Texas, actually. And when I got there, um, a buddy of mine that I had worked with years before when he was a high schooler said, hey, I'm up at Sam Houston State. I'm doing radio, television, film. You should come up and visit and hang out. I had no desire. To, I didn't even know if I was going to go back to college or not. And I went up there for the weekend and hung out with everybody. I was like, this is really cool. 
So I went back to a community college in spring, North Harris Community College, did a year there, got my grades to where I could transfer to Sam. And then I was passionate at that point. Um, I took 25, 27, 23 hours back to back. I graduated in two and a half semesters, essentially just taking crazy amounts of hours. Also, while working a weekend job in New Orleans, doing sports producing for a station that I had interned in. So I was I was very busy. I never slept. Um, and then when I got out of school, I got a job in Monroe, Louisiana. And my first job, and it was news basically to start off with. But I did two days where I would go uh, to the media day. So we had Louisiana Tech and Grambling were the two schools we covered. So we would go to there. I had a chance to talk to Coach Eddie Robinson every Tuesday for two years. It's, it was the greatest, one of the greatest times of my life. That is amazing. Uh, we never, we almost never talked football. We talked everything else. We never talked his team. We talked past and everything else. And it was, it was amazing. Um, so, so cool. Yeah, did that for two years. Um, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And I realized that there's only, you know, two or three sports jobs in every market. So I probably should stick more to news. And so I got a job offer in Albuquerque to go there and be the education reporter. Uh, me, the guy who couldn't deal it with it, college, ended up at, <laughs> as the education reporter in Albuquerque, which was awesome because uh, New Mexico is anywhere from 49th to 51st in education every year. So I got a lot of stories to do. I learned a lot, met a lot of great people. Um, Albuquerque is one of the nicest places to live. Uh, there's some violence issues at, at times in certain parts of the city, but it's beautiful. And we have balloon fiesta and we have breakfast burritos every day. It was incredible. Um, and then I was dating my wife who actually was going to Tulane university in New Orleans. And then she moved with me to Albuquerque and we were there for a couple of years. And her mother who's from here and she's and my wife, Chris from here got ill. Um, she had cancer. And so she came back to help take care of her. And so after about six months, I thought, okay, I need to poop or get off the pot with this woman who my girlfriend at the time, do I want to go to follow her to Omaha? Uh, knew nothing really a lot about Omaha. I knew market size it was. It was 40 market sizes smaller than where I was right. in Albuquerque. So I didn't have to take a big pay cut. Um, but I had a contact here uh, who was the news director there at Channel 7. And it was the same media group. We were Pulitzer and then, Her and then Hearst. So I contacted her and I said, hey, do you have a job opening? And she's like, seriously, I have a morning job opening, but you're going to take a real big pay cut. I was like, yeah, but I got to figure out what I'm going to do with my life and my girlfriend's there. And so I took the job and came to Omaha in 2002, um, got married in 04, had my first kid in 05. He had um, severe, <laughs> severe pun. He had some uh, real medical issues. No better place to live in the country than to be living here in Omaha with yeah. medical issues, especially if it involves <laughs> hearing or uh, any kind of facial stuff. And so as we have Boys Town and we have no Med doubt. Center and all that. Yeah. So I, we ended up staying and I've, I've been here 21 years now. Um, never planned on being here, never planned on doing sports talk radio. I never planned on any of that. It just all just happened. You know, that's so cool. That's did you, did you make the conscious choice? Like I want to do sports. I want, I know I, I want to transition to sports or was there an opening that kind of, um, sort of aligned with, you know, good timing or something like that? Yeah. I was doing the morning show over at channel seven, which is great. I'm going to work at two 30 in the morning every day and had great, great coworkers. And I uh, got a call from Neil Nelkin over at, 1620 in the zone. He actually called for John Oakey, who was the morning anchor at channel seven and say, Hey, you work in the mornings. We have an afternoon spot. It was Kevin and Bob in the afternoon, Kevin Kugler and Bob Bruce and Bob was leaving. He was moving and he needed somebody to, to be that replacement for Bob. And Kevin had worked for almost six months by himself as they had tried out everybody oh, wow. from producers from the Rome show, believe it or not, to hey. everybody they had tried out. And so I yeah. went in, they said, well, you know, Michael's available and all he does in the afternoon is play golf. So, why don't he <laughs> so I went in and got uh, time. huh? I was going to say, you got time. Yeah, I had time. I had time. Yeah. And so I went in, I did an hour with Kevin and uh, they picked me to be his co-host. And that was it. That was, I'd never thought about doing it or planned on doing it. It just, just so happened that Kevin had an opening and he liked working with me and that was it. So you and Michael. you and you and Kugler go go back a ways then because I my initial experience with you Michael is is mostly listening to you and and Kevin doing sportsman like conduct. So you guys were yep. your years four, years of experience together before you even kind of started doing that, huh? Yeah, unsportsman like conduct with I got in with him in 04. Unsportsman like conduct started in 01. It was really the first real local radio show that was going on in town. Everything else was national. Um and some one in Lincoln. And then I got with him in 04 and then we worked together until Kevin went national in 2010. And then I worked with um, John Bishop for a few years yeah. and then I left to go to the, the paper. But yeah, Kevin and I worked together for 
a little bit over eight years. It was it was it was a great time, man. I mean, you could you couldn't ask for more with Bill Callahan. You couldn't ask for more with the waves of the program. Um, it was maybe just a as a report, time. maybe as a reporter, not as a fan. Right. Even, <laughs> just, even as a fan. I mean, think back every week. You had no idea what you were getting. Right. You had right. you had the, you had these great, amazing times where you would you'd play a game, you know, against Iowa State. And and and, and Callahan decided I'm not going to run the ball, even though right. the winds are 55 miles an hour. He's chucking and, it all over. Chuck it all over with Joe Daly. And you had that kind of thing. You had one of the most shocking losses I've experienced in my entire life was sitting in the sitting up in the press box against Southern Miss in 04. And I remember thinking to myself, looking around, going, they just lost to Southern Miss. I mean, what the hell happened? So you have yeah. waves like that. You got going to the big, big 12 um championship game in Kansas City, one of the coldest days and coldest games yeah. I've ever been around. You know, that loss and purify fumbling and you know just and then and then the way he left i mean callahan driving by by the way in his tahoe uh driving by and looking and says you guys take it easy and that was it you know he was gone and it, it was it was an incredible four years to be on the radio and to be a, around the huskers Man. michael you're, you're, i have a, I have a ahead, quick follow-up question real fast yeah. mm-hmm. before we get too off path here but you mentioned albuquerque and you mentioned the hot air balloon fiesta yeah uh, my father-in-law is actually a hot air balloon pilot and he oh, participates awesome. in that fiesta every year. So did you ever ride in a hot air balloon? I'm just curious. Oh, all the time. Um, I, I lo- So I'm a helicopter guy, right? So I love to fly. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, you know, not everybody does. Not everybody loves yeah. heights. And so right. when they would have balloon fiesta would come around, one of the things you would do, one of the jobs, you could either fly in the helicopter or you could go along in one of the hot air balloons where yep, we were videotaping. Yeah. And so yep. I would go. And uh, the really cool thing about Albuquerque and why this event happens there. So we have a mountain range called the Sandias, right? They're to your east. And then you have a mesa to your west. And because of that, the way the wind blows, it blows at the mountain, goes up the mountain, then comes back around. It's called the Albuquerque box. And so the balloons just essentially float through the air current. And it's why it's a great Mm -hmm. place to have balloon fiesta. But yeah, I've flown in many helicopters. My wife and I, uh, not helicopters in many hot air balloons. My wife and I took one actually where I thought about at the time her girlfriend asking her to marry me at that time in the balloon. But I'd heard a story about a guy who had tried to do it. They hit a bump. He dropped the ring out of the balloon. <laughs> and never got it back. So I did not, I did not do that, but um, yeah, no, I've, okay. I loved it. Hot air balloons are the best things. And if you can go, it's the last week of September, the first yeah. week of October, I cannot sell it enough as an amazing experience. A thousand balloons Saturday yep. morning, seven o'clock sun's rising, uh, over the mountain, and these balloons are all uh, ascending. It's a mass ascension. It's incredible. I've, so I've cool. flown into one a couple of times with my father-in-law, not yeah. at the fiesta, but you're a bigger man than I am because I was absolutely terrified the entire time. <laughs> I, I love, I love power heights. lines. I don't know what the hell's going on. Hard landings. <laughs> we never crash in a balloon. We only have yep. hard landings. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Albuquerque is beautiful, so I can't, I can't imagine that. And um, just your back to the you know, your your story, uh, your rapport with Kugler, uh, both both on Twitter and in person, is just fantastic. Did you guys just click right away when you sat down no. with him for that? No, no. no. The, no. the first show we did, the first hour we did was fine. Yeah, um, it took us a good year. Like I almost quit once. I was like, I don't need this. It's stupid. Because he, so I I have five sisters essentially. Okay, so I have three okay. sisters that I'm I'm adopted by my first cousin. And she had three daughters. And so I was the youngest. And I grew up with these three sisters. I have two other sisters who I spent time. I lived in Pennsylvania years ago. So I've always been around women. And I have a real issue with men yelling at women. I just, I never, never could deal with it. And Kevin would get really mad at our producer at the time, who was Stacy, the sports act. Now Stacy is a big wig at NRG. She's one of the, she's big wig. Anyway, she was our producer at the time. And he would yell at her and I didn't handle it very well. And we started fighting. And so that first year was really rocky. It really was. Um, But somewhere in the middle of, we actually went to a big 12 media days. And I think it really clicked. We went to that big 12 media days. I'm really, I love interviewing athletes. You know, Kevin is a professional and does a lot of things, but I really love interviewing athletes. And so we did that and that really went really well. I remember we interviewed Adrian Peterson at that one. And it was, it was awesome. And from there on, it really did click. I mean, Kevin, would never tell me what was really he was going to talk about on the show. I knew the guests were, but we he never told me the topics. And I was sleeping probably three hours a day at that point because I was going to work at two thirty in the morning. Oh, you were um, still doing the morning job. Oh yeah, I did it for I did oh, it all the way till twenty ten. Wow. I actually okay. did it with Kevin until twenty twelve. Is how so I left TV in twenty ten. Worked with Kevin until twenty twelve. Um, I was getting up at 
2.15 in the morning, going to work, working that whole shift, leaving there between 11.30 and noon, grabbing something to eat. Maybe if I had a kid at the time, I was helping with that. And then I would go to work at the radio station at about 2 or 1 when we moved it up to 2. And then I would work till 6 and then cook dinner, get home. I never slept. And wow. so- Kevin would just throw stuff at me and whatever came off the top of my head, I would say, I didn't really. And back then you could do that. Nowadays in sports talk radio, you couldn't do 80% of the stuff we did back then. You couldn't do now. Even now. I mean, it's only, it's only 10, 15 years later. And you think it's that much different. It's completely different. We would do things. I mean, there's so much stuff, you know, far in Callahan. If you guys remember far in Callahan, who was actually Matt Schick. And it started off as an idea. (laughs) I gave it to Matt. And Matt went into the radio booth and then came out with Foreign Callahan. It was incredible. Um, just so much of that stuff that we did. You know, they they made fun of the voice of the Huskers forever and, and would make fun of the way he talked. And um, they made fun of the um, uh, Peterson, the, the what was he, what was his title? Um, you know, Steve Peterson. So anyway, yeah, they the made AD. fun of the AD, AD yeah. everything. Yeah. You know, that stuff you couldn't, you couldn't do. Um, we did, we did a thing at one point called, um, Bo at home and it only lasted like four episodes <laughs> but it was it was you could not you couldn't even close <laughs> Bo Bo was so sad that he called a sex hotline and the guy on the other end was Bill Callahan <laughs> and it went from there um I mean it was you, you, you couldn't so much we couldn't even make fun like we used to we had a chick line you can't even say chicks anymore we would um we would joke about so many inappropriate things uh, and people loved it. People really loved it. We we did a show. Uh, it was a show called um, The Bowl Game to Nowhere. So when Nebraska didn't make the bowl in 2007, we decided we were going to do this show, live show, where Kevin would play a game versus another team that didn't make a bowl on PlayStation 1, I think. And it was no- Notre Dame. Hey. Notre Dame yeah. and Nebraska. Both teams didn't make a bowl. And he played the whole game through. We aired it at DJ's Dugout. DJ's dugout ran out of beer. They had to stop people from coming in because we were oversold. There were like 400 people there. They had to open a separate room. It was incredible. And people arrived, started arriving at noon for a show that started at two and (laughs) watching the game on the screen. By the way, it ended with Nebraska getting a field goal to win. Oh, that's awesome. We didn't didn't plan it. It just happened (laughs) as part of the, what do they call it? I guess what automatic play on the game. Yeah, simulated. I mean, it was some amazing, it was amazing moments. So many. That's so awesome. cool. Do you, yeah. and I don't, we don't, I don't want to go down a political rabbit hole. I'm not trying oh, yeah. to, this, this is not okay. on the agenda, not on the agenda, but do you feel like, like, I'm kind of an absolutist in let people say what they want to say and, and the, and the audience will, you know, Jerry Seinfeld is big on this, the, the, you know, the, the best, uh, the best, um, why is the word escaping me? The best censorship is your audience, right? And if sure. you've, yeah. if you've done something that, yeah. has crossed a line or strikes a nerve with an audience, they'll stop listening. So do you feel like we've lost something with all of the, you know, scrubbing of content and everybody's outraged all the time? I mean, the stuff you're talking about is hilarious. And, yeah. um, you know, I feel like it, it's a, it, it helps, you know, especially in those, those rough seasons, it's a way for fans to yeah. engage and still have fun. I mean, do you, have, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, let me give you the three rules of radio. Okay. Here's your three rules of radio. The first rule is the mic's always hot. Yeah. Right? Right. Don't say yep. something you don't want her. It's always hot. Uh, one of the other ones is you can say anything you want once, anything you want one time. And the third one is, is yes, you have to cater everything you do to your audience, what they like, what they don't like, who's listening. You know, you've got to give them everything they want. That's how you have an entertaining show. I will say, even though there are some things I, I regret that we can't do anymore on the radio there's also things i regret doing um i was incredibly (laughs) insensitive at points of my life about mental health even though my wife is a therapist i was incredibly insensitive about it i really blew it off in terms of people and the way they had to adjust to their own mental health um and i now later as a 54 year old i understand it much better um so there are there are things i did that we did on the air that i am a little bit embarrassed about because of the way we handled it, I would say that's about 10% of the stuff we did. The other 90% was, I think, great humor. I think it was healthy for the, the fan base and for our radio group and our radio show. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I hate the fact that someone can be canceled for a mistake. 
That drives right. me yeah. nuts. You, yeah. you cannot be canceled for a mistake. Now, if you intentionally do something to harm somebody or to hurt somebody, then yeah, I have no problem with that person receiving some sort of punishment. If it's internship, it's internship. I just, sure. I don't believe though, that if you make an honest mistake, yep. I did, I'm gonna give you an example of an honest mistake. Um, I was at, in Monroe. I was a first year weekend sports fill-in anchor. I wasn't even the full-time guy. And I was doing a story about the Negro League and who was getting in from the Negro League, okay? And one of the guys was a local guy from nearby Monroe. And so I had to mention him. And I said the word, the N-word, instead of the correct Negro League. Just, yeah. it came out. I was talking too fast. I was a little nervous because I was doing one of my first sportscasts. And uh, we got some calls and people complained about it. Um, even though I'm African-American, right, people were right. still very mad about it. It was a mistake, though. I mean, it literally wasn't anything I thought about. So you make a mistake, you should maybe someone says, hey, don't do it again or be careful or whatever else. But you certainly shouldn't receive any kind of censorship or be or be pushed out of your job because you make a mistake. There are people now on the radio and in media that do things on purpose for yes. a number of different yeah. reasons that hurt people. And I, I, I don't want to see I don't like seeing that happen at all. Not in this yeah. business. That's incredible insight. Thank you for sharing, that. Michael. I don't. I don't know if I'm going to get a much better segue than than you than you talking about that and and um, uh, maybe people being offended or not. And you've brought up Matt Schick a couple of times, so yeah. I have to ask. I have buddies that would absolutely kill me if I didn't ask you this. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's about a year or so too late. But what do you think of Nick Baugh's impression of you? Uh, on the Schick and Nick podcast, and how often do people <laughs> recite not their impression of you, but their impression of Nick doing his impression of you? Yeah, it happens quite a bit on Twitter, especially if I post anything about me being in a car because it's always an equal. Yeah, he's got bucket, bucket seats. seats. Yeah, and and, then, and I and I used to so every time every Friday, you know, at four o'clock, we would have on Elkin Walgamont, and the first question I would here's another example of something that I. I, I regret a little bit because of the way I handled it. But I know where you're going. Always, I would always ask him when we start talking about the movie. I'm like, well, is so-and-so naked in the movie? I want to know <laughs> if she's naked. What's what's the naked stuff in there? And uh, so he, that's why he he added my commercial from Huber.com and the Equinox. By the way, I bought an Equinox um, <laughs> from Huber.com with bucket seats that I had for a long time. It was a great vehicle. Um, I got a really good deal. Um, but but yeah, that happens a lot. And 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 Nick's always been amazing with his um, with his impersonations. You know, Nick started on the radio with us. Yep. Uh, when Nick was re was redshirting that one year, Kevin went to him and said, "Hey, would you like to do like a." a Creighton basketball report for us. It was called the Ba report, Ba like report. Right. And so we would, uh, he would come on every week and you could tell right away that he was good at this and he was always very funny. And so, no, I've never, I, people can make fun of me all. I talk really fast. I always have, um, I have some, you know, catchphrases that I use and certain things I fall back on. And so, no, I, I've never had a problem with that. I love Nick. Um, seriously. I, and I, and I, when Nick, got, I remember when Nick got sick and, uh, I remember thinking to myself, I, I got mad, right? Because there's so many bad people in this world who live to be old. Yeah. And yeah. Nick, yeah. who never did anything wrong to anybody, who is one of the nicest people I ever met and one of the, the best people I ever met, was you know suffering through something that could take his life. I remember being so angry with the world about that sure. for a little while um, because of that. You know, I, I love Nick. Nick, Nick and Chick do a great job. Um, I was always a big fan of their show originally, you know, 12 years ago. And somehow all these years later, they have a podcast now on a radio show that lasted about, what, two and a half years or three yeah. years. Yeah. Um, that's very successful. So, no, I, I, I love those guys. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think you'd have uh, any any hard feelings about it because knowing well, kind of knowing those guys just from listening to them, I don't think they would do anything that would um, that would offend anybody without them kind of being in on the joke. So, yeah, the joke is now that, you know, a 25, 30 year career is all summed up by one, you right. know, is somebody naked inside of a right. bucket. Seat. <laughs> right, right. So Michael, you've done so many different things. We've just talked about a lot of them. Um, your current, one of your current jobs is as the executive director of the Jet Award Foundation. Mm -hmm. So first of all, can you just share with, with our fellow common fans, what is the Jet Award? Okay, so the Jet Award Foundation does two things. The first thing it does is we award the best return specialist every year in college football. The best kickoff and punt return person. We have a voting committee. We get together. Um, I kind of put together a little list. I've been helping out since 2011 when it started. 
kind of putting together the media group. We were all volunteer for the first 12 years. I'm the first actual full-time employee of the Jet Award Foundation. And so we, we do that. So the first thing we do is we pick that athlete every year. This is the best kickoff punt returner in the country. We also pick a legacy award winner every year. So obviously there was somebody in 1969 who was the best returner, right? Well, he didn't get an award because our award wasn't around. So we pick that person to be our legacy award winner and we give them an award as well. The other side of the Jet Award Foundation is we raise money for scholarships for kids to go to Metro Community College to major in the trades. Uh, Johnny Rogers graduated from Tech High. Tech High was the technical school, obviously, by the name in the state of Nebraska and in Omaha. And so he believes in the trades. Even when I first met Johnny, God, I don't know, good 20 years ago, he was always talking about how we need to have more students in the trades. You know, four-year college isn't for everybody. You know, college for everybody was one of the worst decisions we ever made as a country trying to send people to college who didn't want to be there or couldn't be there. And now they have a whole bunch of debt. But what we try to do is we pay tuition, books and fees for students who are majoring in the trades. The trades cover everything from accounting to nursing to IT to the things you think about like construction, welding. And so you can go to school for the two years it takes to get your associate's degree or however long it takes to get your certificate. And we, we foot the bill. So we've been raising money for that since 2018. We have about 100 that have graduated. Currently, we have over 160 that have the scholarship and are at Metro going through wow. their classes. It's, it's, it's a, I, the only reason I left the job I was doing before this, which I loved. I was working at the City Papillion. It was a government job. Insurance was incredible. The only reason I left there was because I had been working with this for a long time. I have a commitment to education ever since I started working in Albuquerque as an education reporter and saw the struggles that people have with education. And so that's the only reason I took the job. I, I want, it's a three-year job, essentially. It's a, it's a grant-funded job. And I have three years to get this whole thing where it needs to be, um, where it's self-sufficient, where we have an endowment going. So it continues long after Johnny, long after me, long after everybody. So that's, that's, that's my goal right now. That's so cool. And it's so important uh, to for people to have that, you know, to get that first rung on the economic ladder. And like you yes. said, you know, not everyone is college is not the right choice for everyone. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, that work is really impactful and, and um, super cool. Is there a way that so, so the gal is the gala the main fundraising vehicle? And is there a way for folks to engage otherwise or support the foundation otherwise? Yeah, we have that. We have a gala every year, April 4th coming up. This next year, our guest speaker is going to be Danny Woodhead. Uh, enjoy listening cool. to Danny. We got Danny doing it. Our uh, our legacy award winner is actually a former Nebraska player, uh, Dewan, um Dejan Gomes is uh, not Gomes. Oh, that's sweet, not right. that's not that's not wrong. That's right. I completely blew that. It's gross. um it's gross, Dewan Gross. So you know, back in two thousand and two thousand one and two thousand two, he was one of the best punt and kick returners in the yeah. country. Oh, yeah. And so he we never reached out to him about doing it. And I was talking to Coach Reed, who helps pick us the legacy award, long time football coach over at Omaha Central. And he's like, no, I didn't even think about it. We went through his numbers. We're like, he's deserving. So Ron Gross will be on as our legacy award winner. And of course our winner will be whoever wins it and whoever does the best so far right now, the leading candidate is a, is actually a returner from Houston. Who's got a couple kickoff returns under his belt for touchdowns, but you can also go to our website, jetaward.com. And um, at the website, we have a donation page there. Um, you can buy a table at the gala. And one of the best ways to do it is to just, you know, we, we want to encourage if you know somebody, a kid who loves the trades or somebody who wants to be in the trades, then we have scholarships available. So that's the best thing you can do is, wow. is tell them about it. Let them apply for it. Um, our, our, our application is really simple. I mean, it takes about three minutes to do as long as you are over 2.0 from high school, as long as you um, have some financial need. Um, we're going to give you a scholarship for this. And so that's one of the best things you can do. If you know a kid that wants to be in the trades, then you know, get, let's get him over to Metro and get him a degree. So, awesome. uh, Michael, on that website, you said there's a uh, link to click to donate. So if, if people are looking for it towards the end of the year, tax deduction for donations, yeah, sure. they can just go on the website and donate from there. Yeah, let me give you, a, so we, we changed out, one of the things that I was tasked to do when I took this job was, to get our website fixed up because it was kind of old, had been hacked a couple of times. And so we have a brand new one that's getting ready to drop. It'll probably drop. We're taping this on Friday. It'll drop Monday or Tuesday of next week. And so, but, it, but even the old one has a donation bar at the bottom of the first page. Um, it's really easy to use. It takes you to a site where you can donate with your credit card. Um, it's, it's the way the majority of people who give us, whether it's $5 or $25, 
um, it's the main way they do that. And so having that donation page is, is very valuable. Awesome. Uh, that's super cool. Um, and uh, I would like to ask you, Michael, mm -hmm. I know you weren't there. You know, it's like in The Godfather when Michael says somebody oh. has to answer for Santino. Uh, somebody has to answer for DeMornay Pearsonell in 2014. How did he not get the award in 2014? Okay, so he was a semifinalist in 2014. He was a semifinalist. But I think if you look back, I'm pretty sure we gave the award that year to Lockett from... I think it was Lockett. I think it was Lockett. Yeah. And I think if you look at his numbers, <laughs> yeah. they were a little bit better. Um, I will tell you that at that time, we had a voting panel. And so I gave him three finalists. We had uh, Charles Davis was a part of that. Um, all kinds of media from across the country were a part of it. I had 12 people, um, some located in the big 10 countries, some loaded in big 12 country. And they're the ones that voted uh, for him to be the winner. That's, that's what happened. The morning personnel was supposed to be on a, let it fly with us yesterday. And, and stood oh, us nice. up instead because <laughs> his wife who works at a hospital had to go to work. And so he had to go take care of the, his little girls. So uh, we're eventually going to catch up with him, but you know, the last time Nebraska returned, I'm saying this on a Friday before Nebraska returns to kick off for a touchdown tomorrow. against Western, <laughs> But the last time a kickoff return for a touchdown happened was in, you guys know, uh, I was going to JD Spielman in 2017. 2017 okay, against yes. Arkansas State. Yep. Yeah. Against Arkansas State. Yep. Yeah. I, I, what about punt? But it wasn't you know, it. I, honestly, was what about what was the last was the last punt return DPE? Because I don't remember the last punt return. For no, the last. So the last kickoff return was was the morning personnel in 17 against Arkansas State, wasn't it? I thought that was Spielman for kickoff return because Spielman did have two. He had two punt returns, right? um why don't we go ahead and look it up really we quick. can go look it up but i they um i i have the thing i keep a separate draft for all of the kickoff and punt returns and, <laughs> that's awesome uh yeah because that's that's what we do right and so i thought that i had that as the the last that's my key one of my keys to the game is um for northwestern you're predicting it yeah because northwestern has the lowest touchback percentage in the big 10 okay. only seven touchbacks so hard Pearson L, 99 yards versus Arkansas State in 2017, right? I'm almost sure that was Spielman, but... Oh, that was um, Spielman? Okay, my fault. I don't know why that, I put... I wrote the down, internet is saying Spielman. Spielman, okay, you're. I'm sure you're right about that. Yeah, so that that's... But, but that's the last one until it happens tomorrow. That was right. the, I love the game, that. We won, we won that game, but that was the one where it's like, oh, this does not look better. It was throw, <laughs> throw into the end zone. They had a throw yes, into the end yeah, zone exactly. late, right? Yeah. yeah, that was the first, like, that was like Diaco's here. He's he's going to make our defense great. And then it was like, oh. I, I hated that whole season because <laughs> one thing, I, I'd known Tanner Lee since he was back at Jesuit High School in New Orleans. And he was a turnover machine back then. And when they brought him in, I'm, I kept telling people, I said, Tanner Lee has never been a 60% passer going back to eighth grade. So I don't think Tanner Lee's going to be very good. And everybody's like, oh, you know, you know, he's a better talent, whatever. I knew him at Jesuit High School. I knew him at Tulane. He was the same guy at Nebraska. This wasn't going to work. You were, you were way out in front on that. I knew the Tanner Lee G one. Geoff, I know Geoff may have to leave a little early. Geoff, do you have any I want to make sure you get any questions you might have before you have to slip out on us. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to dip out probably in the next five minutes. But I mean, if I'm thinking questions here, I mean, you see Johnny quite frequently, don't you? You get yeah, that walking almost every day, yeah. Is he constantly just doing the Heisman pose in his office? <laughs> What's that like? The I mean, wouldn't you? Part, wouldn't you, Jeff? Here's the funniest <laughs> part about it. Here's the funniest part about it, Jeff. The funniest part about it is, is every time he takes a picture with somebody after the first regular picture, then they do the pose, right? <laughs> and, and it doesn't matter who it is. None of them ever put the right leg up. Or have the right <laughs> arm out. They never do it correctly. And so he's always got to correct them. He'll go, pull his leg up, put this arm out every single time. Even though Johnny has been doing it every day for, I don't know, 50 years. Um, right. So, yeah, that is that is something that Johnny does a lot of. Uh, but I, he loves it. I've <laughs> never met somebody that loves meeting and talking with people as much as Johnny Rogers. He, he just, it's, it's in his, his DNA. He just loves to do it. It doesn't matter where he is, who he's with. You can bring Johnny with you. And he will make a conversation with whoever's there. It's incredible. Does he want to come on the Common Fan Podcast? I can. I can certainly ask him. I, <laughs> I, I set up a lot on. of his calendar. I might be able to help him do that. He, oh, any, anything to help promote the Jet Award? I'm sure Johnny would be for. We we would love to promote the yeah. Jet Award. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, 
All right, any, any boys, anything else on the Jet Award? We've got a couple of things. Michael, if you have time, we'd love to ask I'm good. about yeah, I'm a couple good. other things. Yep, uh, you got anything else on, on Johnny or the Jet Award or, or anything, gents? No. Okay. Oh, very informative. If it, I mean, if, it was, if it was me, Michael, I would, I'd have a hard time doing your job because I would just ask Johnny every day to tell me about the punt return against Oklahoma. And I would be, have a hard time focusing on anything. Have you else. ever listened? Have you ever watched Johnny do the breakdown of it? So he does no. this breakdown where he goes through every block. There were there were essentially nine blocks on it. So almost okay. everybody on the re return team had something to do with the return. And he does this thing where he stops the video and shows you this block, and then here's another block, here's another block, and he it's, it's a really cool breakdown that he does. He does it usually when he goes to an event and they they have video there. He'll he'll do that whole breakdown for you. It's pretty cool. That is super cool. We gotta, we I gotta find that somewhere. Yeah. Well, switching gears a little bit. So, Michael, you've got a, a rel I guess it's almost a year old now. A relatively new podcast, though, um, called the Let It Fly Show. Can you tell yep. us about that? It started off because the Let It Fly Sports Bar was going to be built in the Capital District, and so Mike Miller started the Let It Fly brand way back when he was at Miami. Mike Miller, former NBA player, two-time oh, yeah. world champion with the the Heat. He started it back then. Uh, he's a native of. Um, Mitchell, South Dakota, yep. the closest place to that is Sioux Falls. And so, or closest place with people is Sioux Falls. <laughs> and so he, uh, he opened a sports bar there. He had first started a energy drink called Let It Fly. And then he started a, a uh, agent company. He's an agent. Uh, and then he opened the bar. And so he opened the first one in Sioux Falls. And then since he had worked, played Memphis so long, he started one in Germantown, which is a suburb of Memphis. And then since his brother, Ryan is an assistant coach for Creighton, and his son, Mason, plays on the team. He thought, you know what? Omaha might be a great place. They come here, they get enough investors, and they're going to open the sports bar. And so they said, you know what? We'd love to have a podcast studio inside of it. We need a podcast to go along with it. And so Ryan Miller, who's assistant coach, came to me. And I wasn't looking to do a podcast. Again, I'm never looking to do anything. Uh, stuff just comes. And I said, here are the people you should talk to. And I gave him all these different names, whether they are Creighton-based people like Robbie Lula or Nick Baugh or John Bishop. I gave him those people. I said, if you want to have more of a Nebraska fade, here are the people you can contact that do a great job doing the show. Here are some of the people that would be good to be a sidekick as well. So I gave him all these lists of stuff. Uh, we had a little meeting. He calls me back about a month later and he says, okay, I'm narrowing the list down, but I want you to host it. And I'm like, well, first of all, it's called Let It Fly. You're a Creighton assistant coach. I have spent the majority of my career in Omaha talking about my dislike for Creighton and the Blue Jays <laughs> as a guy who grew up a Christian brother high school kid who hated the Jesuits because they were Jesuit and we were Dilla Sal and we hated each other. So I've I've grew up being trained not to like the Jesuits or Jesuit schools. And so he's like, I'm like, are you sure you want me to do this? And he said, everybody says that you should do it. So fine. Uh, I need somebody to do it with. And so to balance it out, Josh Jones, who played for Creighton and played for Omaha Central and won three state championships there, uh, was the person they picked. And Josh was kind of raw. And so we've been throughout this time kind of working with him on airwise and some of the stuff he's doing. But he he brings a lot of energy. I don't know if anybody has as much energy as as Josh Jones does. And so we 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 cover, you know, everything in sports. Right now it's prim primarily football, and we're trying to do a lot of football guests and have them on. And then uh come December, we'll be in Vegas for when Creighton's there playing. Um, following them there and we'll do a couple of shows from there. And then, you know, when basketball season gets going, we'll do a whole lot of basketball and have a lot of Creighton players on and we'll have coach Mack on next week, actually, to talk Thanks. about Creighton. So we do, we do a little bit of everything. It's um, yesterday. We, our show actually had on the, uh, the head coach of union Omaha, the new head coach of union Omaha. They're playing in the playoffs right now for the USL one. They will be um, playing against whoever wins on Saturday after this is recorded. Uh, will then play Union Omaha. They they do the best thing in the world. Michael Severe for reseeding playoffs, right? <laughs> Always, if you don't reseed playoffs, you're not doing it right. And they reseed the playoffs. So they don't know who they're going to play yet, but it's a chance oh, nice. for Union Omaha to, to win another title. So it'd be awesome if that happens. So we had him on yesterday. So we did a little bit of everything with Little Fly. That's super cool. And I I, I know you've had you know some some current players on Oh, yeah. Recently, I saw you had Crouch on, I think, what, in August, kind of before the first game. Mm -hmm. Did he do the Heisman post? He does not do the Heisman post. That's not <laughs> okay. part of uh, Eric's thing. He did, however, before the season, go down and work with Jeff Sims when they were trying to work the option. And and Nebraska had no – they had no plans. Matt Rule and Satterfield had no plans to run the option as much as they have. None whatsoever. But luckily, 
by chance, Eric went down there and they asked him to work with the quarterbacks a little bit on their pitches and things like that. So it's funny, even though Heinrich Harburg had run some of that in his past when he was in high school, he got a refresher from Eric Krause before the season ever started. So wow. once he started running that, he had now Eric pitched the ball as much as Heinrich Harburg does. <laughs> Eric was known for keeping the ball occasionally. Um, so maybe that's why Harburg is not giving it up. I don't know. But um, but yeah, we had Eric on. We had Thomas Fedoni on uh, last week. Uh, Thomas Fedoni, who, by the way, is an amateur tattoo artist. If, I don't know if anybody oh, knows this. No um, kidding. A, a bunch of the teammates have had him do tattoos for them. He basically just thought, what well, is this kind of cool idea? He bought the gear himself and started practicing and got really good at it. Uh, he showed me some of his work. It's incredible. So Thomas Fedoni, we had him on and we had on Gabe Irvin after he got injured. And uh, Gabe was an incredible interview. So much, so positive of a person, despite the fact that he was going to lose another season to a major injury. But um, those were the two current guys we had on. That's really impressive about Irvin and you know, fellow common fans. If you need a tattoo, uh, make sure to look up Mr. Fedoni. I guess. No, he does not have his <laughs> license yet. Oh, okay. okay. Well, hang on, TJ. License. Let's not get the kid in trouble <laughs> you here. To, you have to have a license, but he just right now is doing it for fun. That kind of thing. But eventually I think that's what he wants. You know, after his NFL career is over with, he'll be a tattoo artist. Well, that's uh, gentlemen. Uh, I am going to have to respectfully hop off the call. I have another meeting. So Michael, I just want to say, Thank you so much. I mean, with it, with us trying to get this off the ground, this is a huge, huge help. And this totally gives us a ton of credibility as a podcast. So, again, I just want to reiterate, thank you so much for being on. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. I can't wait to listen to the last of it. Jeff, I give you a tongue as you leave. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. Yeah, just know, Jeff, we're going we're gonna to talk about you, and it's not going to be nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> I'm used to it now. So, <laughs> all right. Take care, fellas. See you, See you Jeff. As a reminder, we're all fellow common fans and we all have day jobs. So Geoff actually has to go uh, do his day job. Um, so that's a good transition, though. Um, that's a cool story about Crouch going down to Lincoln and working with with the quarterbacks. We did want to get your thoughts on the current team. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael, I've always I've uh, I don't know if you remember, I used to pepper you with with emails when you were at the bottom line. I've always loved listening to you. And I, one thing I love about your two things I love about your Husker coverage and actually, I don't know if you know this, our our most recent episode that's out is called Feed the Addiction. And part of our part of our guiding principles as a common fan podcast is we're here to help you fan. And so we want to help, mm. we want to lift up all the all the sources that are out there to help, you know, Husker fans with their unhealthy obsession with Nebraska football. And so we referenced you as one of our favorites actually on the on the Feed the Addiction episode. So FYI. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what the point I made then was one, you're a football guy. It's clear you know your football and you love your football. And then two, I like your perspective knowing that you're not from Nebraska. And I'm not suggesting that others who cover the team are homers, but I do think you are probably one of the most, you're always one of the most objective guys covering the Huskers. And actually, we talked about the 2017 team earlier and i think your whatever metrics you look at you predicted like four and eight or something that was pretty three and nine or four or five wins something like that you were pretty close and i remember we were all hyped up on tanner lee we thought bob diaco was gonna you know we we were every everybody in husker nation as always was drinking the kool-aid and i remember playing some golf with some guys you know before that opening weekend i think against arkansas state and being like, I, I don't know. I, I talking about your predictions. I don't. I think. I think we. I think it's going to be better than that. And sure enough, you were spot on. So always just love your objectivity. So with that in mind, the Huskers are three and three. Uh, common fans, this will probably be out after the Northwestern game, but we're rec- recording the day before the Northwestern game. Um, kind of your thoughts. I guess we can start on this. Thoughts on Matt Rule. Early thoughts on Matt Rule. Yeah, um, Matt. So I did follow Matt Rule pretty closely after his first year at Temple because. Also a side thing that I do is I like to gamble. And um, (laughs) you always try to find those coaches that fit what you're looking for as a gambler. And and I'm again, I'm an analytics guy. I have formulas that I believe in things you need to do as a coach and as a team in order to show to me that I should be betting on you or against you. And so Matt rule was one of those guys and you knew it right away. The first year, as bad as temple was, you saw some of the potential for the covering. You saw some of the things he did, (laughs) right? Very good special teams. Um, Not turning the ball over a ton, 
um, being good in the red zone. Those were all things that that happened at Temple pretty quickly. And by the last year he was there, they were one of the tops in turnover rate. They were one of the tops in, in, um, in red zone rate. Uh, I love finishing drive rate, one of my favorite stats. You cross the opponent's 40, how many points do you get? Are you getting mm. three? Are you getting seven? Are you getting none? Uh, yeah. Nebraska this year, by the way, 24 times over the 50-yard line, only nine scores. If you go over the 50, you should score at least 50% of the time. Actually, in the NFL, it's 54.7 this year currently. I know that because the Saints are 38%. <laughs> They're horrible <laughs> at it. But anyway, so I'm big on finishing drive rate. And you, Matt Rule does those things. And so when he got to Baylor, I kept my eye on him through the first year and said, okay, is the same kind of thing going to happen where – he starts off slowly, and then all of a sudden he's getting a bunch of ATS wins, and it did. Same thing happened, so I followed him a lot at Baylor. The Carolina thing, um, I'm a Saints fan, obviously, NFC South twice. I saw him coach there. It is such a different world uh, between yeah. what happens in the NFL. As a young man working in New Orleans as a producer and an intern, I covered the Saints a lot, and uh, then it was Jim Mora as the head coach, and it was it's just a mess there sometimes. Um, yeah. Obviously you, you have the players who are making a bunch of money who you have to deal with their egos. You have an owner who at sometimes you have to deal with their egos. You have a general manager that sometimes the head coach gets along with the general manager. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're the same person, which is horrible in my opinion. Mm -hmm. never going to be successful that way. And I think they may have given, given Matt rule a little bit too much power and he okay. tried to build it like he built temple and Baylor. And in the NFL, you just don't have that clock. That clock doesn't right. exist in the NFL. You cannot build that way. And the Carolina fans got pretty disenfranchised with him in the second year because there were some things that happened in terms of play calling. And I think by the time it got to the third year, and he still didn't have a quarterback at that point because it's so many injuries with Cam Newton and everybody, at that point, they were just done with him when the season started. Yeah. And so I think he never really had a chance there. Uh, I think okay. Tepper could have done a better job as an owner too, helping him out, but he didn't. Anyway, speaking of that, in now here at Nebraska, I've had the chance to sit down and interview him a few times. I've had a chance to just talk to him. I, I believe in him. I think he's honest. I think he cares about what he's doing. Um, I think more than anything else, he's got a, a big amount of pride. If you guys are Pulp Fiction fans, Marcelo Wallace talked about pride. You have that pride in you. He has that. And so he doesn't want to fail again. And he's going to do everything he can. And everyone around him is going to have to do everything they can so he doesn't fail again. And so that's why I think, and, and I, I will go back and admit, I thought Scott Frost, when he got hired, was a great hire, and I thought it would work. I really did. Um, but I, I, I honestly believe, and there are different guys in a whole bunch of ways, but I think Matt Rule is the perfect person for Nebraska right now. I think you have to give him time. You've got to understand that they're not going to be able to win at the level you want them to win right away. You also got to remember that what happens next year in the Big Ten is going to be incredible. You bring in USC, UCLA, Oregon, yep. Washington, on top yep. of Penn State and Ohio, and Ohio State and Michigan. I mean, dude, if you finish in the top eight, <laughs> you're yeah. doing pretty well. It's good. It's no good kidding. Game. So you got to give him. You got to give him time. But I think he's going to get it done. I, he's got to find a quarterback. Obviously, he's got to get everything fixed up in terms of who he brings in in the portal and how they fill it out. They got to figure out their NIL and who they want to pay and who they want to pay. Um, but he's. I think he gets it done. Nice. Michael, and don't you think like for me, I I loved the way um, Coach Rule reacted to the beatdown from Michigan, and then having them out the next day. And it sounds like that might have been their one of their best practices, if not their best practice of the year. Mm -hmm. um, and just with the kind of the behind the scenes, they've got that little YouTube uh, video series going with the GBR Rewind or or whatever they call it, yeah. and kind of seeing behind the scenes on how he's kind of motivating these guys. Because I feel like, you know, we talked about mental health earlier and whether you want to believe any of that or not in terms of what's going on in that locker room, sometimes I think these, these let's face it, they're kids, they need somebody to build them up and and mm -hmm. kind of get some sort of belief that, yeah, they're good enough. They're good enough. They just got to just got to get right mentally and kind of get over that hump. And I for me, I, you know, I've kind of been the guy that says, we've needed kind of more of a motivator type here for quite a while. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm all in on it and it sounds like you might be too. I really hope it works out. Yeah. You know, it's um, I, I really believe in whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I, I, I believe in that it's cliche as you want to say it. Um, I don't know, Matthew or TJ, if you ever got your ass kicked, but usually yeah. after you get your ass kicked, after you recover from it, you're better off. And I can give you three or four different examples. Uh, Nebraska in the end of 1968, 
got their ass kicked, uh, Kansas State, Oklahoma. And you know what happened? Bobby Vandy went, I got to change some stuff. And he hired this guy named Tom Osborne as his offensive mm-hmm. coordinator and, <laughs> and elevated Monty Kiffin to his defensive coordinator. And they went on from there. Um, other t- Here's a great example. Michigan State takes on a 1995 Nebraska team. And Nick Saban's a pretty good coach now. And they got their asses kicked. Yep. And after yep. the game, he's standing in the middle of the field. And Tom Osborne, as he always is, is understated and says, don't worry, I think we're pretty good. Um, <laughs> and they were. And that motivated Nick Saban to know where he needed to be. Nebraska yep. found their water level against Michigan State. Here's where you are in the pool. It's over your head at this point. So yep. now you know where you need to get to to be able to swim. And I believe that that was a good thing for them. Whether the Sunday practice happened or not, I think it was good just to know where you are. Now you look ahead and you say, what do we have to do better? How do we get to that? How do we get yep. to where Michigan is right now? Well, obviously it's stealing signals. But other than that, you got <laughs> to get to where Michigan is. And so that gives you that level. And now you know where to go. And, and I, I think it was, a, it was a healthy thing to get beat down the way they did. And whatever people think about how hard Nebraska played or if they didn't play hard enough, they weren't ready for the game. They went against a team that was so motivated to kick their ass because they heard all week, you know, the number one ranked uh, power five run defense is it's Nebraska. You know how great the black shirts are. They're back. They're this man. Harbaugh said, really? Oh, really? Okay. So we're better at every single position than you are. And you're talking about, and he came in there and he did what he did Um, and could have made it worse. He played four damn quarterbacks. He traveled four quarterbacks on the road. Nobody travels four quarterbacks on the road. He all four. J.J. McCarthy's kissing his girlfriend on the sideline by like the second quarter. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So he could have made it much worse. But I think that helped in Nebraska. It was a good thing for them to get that done in this first year. Uh, and now just get better from it. That's all. Yeah, we, we talked about that. We, we also did it. We had a two-part midseason review. And we talked about how we felt like the Illinois, sort of the react, the response to the Michigan game, the win yeah. against Illinois was kind of a turning point. <laughs> um, again, fellow Common fans were recording this on the day before the Northwestern game. But all three of us, Matt, Jeff, and I, um have predicted the huskers to win the next three and also Ooh. to beat iowa so uh maybe a little bit of kool-aid drinking going on there but we at the very least we do believe uh there's three wins left on the schedule sure. i don't care if it's the vandalay industries bowl on <laughs> you know at 10 a.m on december 14th we are yeah. dancing consistent theme on this podcast we get to a bowl game this year we're dancing in the streets we're taking the kids out of school we're acting <laughs> like, you know it, we're treating it like a national championship do you think right. there's at least three wins left on the schedule oh certainly now to say they're going to win four in a row when this team has not won three in a row since 2016 yeah. is you know something but um <laughs> i i certainly believe that they they beat northwestern i picked on i picked 2714 um okay. on big red wrap up uh so i I believe they will. I've watched, I watched the Penn state game. I watched the Minnesota game and I watched the game they played against um, the Howard Bison, the, the HBCU. They, <laughs> they, they almost gave the game away too. So I've watched them enough to know what they are. They're two different teams, depending on who's playing a quarterback for them. If it's Ben Bryant, they're a better passing team. If it's Sullivan, they're what better quarterback living driven run team. So I think I know what they are. I think Nebraska is better across the board and, and can wear them down and, and beat them. So I think so for sure. Um, looking ahead though, I don't know what to get out of Purdue. Sometimes uh, they're, they're two different teams on any given weekend, whoever you're watching. And so it depends on which Purdue, Purdue team shows up. Um, I know Michigan state's a mess right now. I think Michigan state, as we're obviously taping this tomorrow, they will play against Michigan. I'm assuming they're going to get a beat down from that. I don't know. Cause that was occasionally when, whenever Min- Michigan state has been a two touchdown or more underdog against Michigan, I think over the last 20 years, they've actually covered. They always so, cover. Yep. You never know. But anyway, when how Michigan State will be by that point, I really don't know. Um, and Maryland's another team that has gotten the last three years, started off really fast and tailed off at the end. When it gets to the point where they're playing conference games and they're playing where they're, they, have to be, they get out coached sometimes because even though their coach is a great recruiter, I don't think he's an overall great X and O's coach. Anyway, I don't know what happens from here, but I think there's three, three wins for sure. And Nebraska goes to a bowl game. I hope it's not Music City again, only because – that wasn't that long ago and that was a long time ago. Anyway, no matter what it is, it doesn't <laughs> matter to me, whatever it is they can go to and they'd be fine. But yeah, I think there's three more. I think there's four more actually. Awesome. So awesome. Michael, let's go back. I think you said 27, 14 for Northwestern game. So you've got Nebraska covering just barely. Uh, it's funny because at the time when I made the pick, which is on a Monday, it was 13 and a half. Yeah. So it was right at the line. 
Um, I seen it go all the way to 11, sitting at 12, is it 12 right now? 11 and a half, 12, depending on where you look. 11 yeah. and a half, 12. Yeah. So yeah, I do. I, I think so. Uh, I think, I think the game could literally be 17 to six based off of what I've seen <laughs> right. from Northwestern's offense at times. And then at the same time, it 23, 20, a game against Northwestern in Memorial stadium, where have we not seen that before? Right. So right. anything can happen. <laughs> I just, I play the numbers and based off what Nebraska has done uh, leading up to that game and the way they played. If they can avoid the big turnovers, like we yeah. say every week, I think they can get to 27. I don't think that Northwestern with that offense can get over 20. So that's kind of my. Yeah, no, that sounds like a good prediction. And we'll see if you're, uh, since this is probably going to come out early next week, we'll see if yeah. you uh, you were correct on that or not. Kickoff return touchdown too. Don't be yeah. Like that. Oh, yeah. We would love that. Connection. Tommy Hill. Touchdown. Phone's ringing, now, Tommy Hill. I, I don't know if it's Tommy. Tommy, there's, there's never been a player. I can say this honestly. <laughs> I've been here since 2002, and I've been watching college football since 1975. Uh, there's never been a player in college football history that has done less, that is loved more by his head coach than Tommy Hill. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I mean, all he's done is like get beat on a on a look back, double zero yeah. blitz, uh, drop a fumble a kickoff, get a he, pi called on him. I mean, he's got to be he's got to be doing awesome. some incredible things once in a while in practice, right? That's the that's got to be the explanation. Greatest practice hey, he had, player. He had a step or two on the Minnesota defensive back. If Jeff Sims just puts the ball on him in the third quarter, that's probably yeah. a different game. Yeah, he he was open in that time. I'm not saying Still, I, I, they I love, love they ball. love that dude, man. <laughs> they love him. Maybe it'll be him on the kickoff return. Maybe it'll maybe it'll be one of those where they kick it off and it gets it it's like squibbed and some up back picks it up and runs it back for touchdown. You never know. Yeah, I, I want to be mindful of your time, Michael. But if you have time, I'd love to ask you real really quick. You you talked about. You know, Crouch working with the quarterbacks. We've mm-hmm. heard stories about Ron Brown kind of teaching these guys some old yeah. school option concepts. And I think that, you know, Rule has made comments about he's saying he's the head coach. Obviously, he's focused on running the ball and stopping the run. Mm-hmm. But I think he made a comment recently about how Satterfield would love to throw it up and score 45 points a game. Um, and also, clearly, like they've had so many injuries. And they're just trying to figure out what they can do with what they have. What do you think they want this offense to be long-term? So two, two, three years from now, they've got depth and they've got the players they want to have. What are they doing? I still think they are a 59-41 run the pass. I think he's always going to be that way because of where he's located. I think he knows that in the state he can get offensive linemen. He knows that he can find running backs, whether it's the portal or through recruiting. Uh, I think he knows he can do that. Uh, so I think it'll always be a run first offense. I think what they want to have is they want to have a quarterback who can run, but isn't designing running. I think they're okay. looking to have a guy. So like Danny Kaline, what he is right now, I think that's a good, I don't know if Danny's the guy, but I think he's the target of what you're looking for. Daniel Kaline can get you two yards from the two yard line, running in the end zone on a scramble. He can pick you up a first down. If it's third and six and he's got to run for seven yards, you're not going to run design run plays for him. I think that's the quarterback he's looking for to have down the road. Um, but he, right now he's, he's doing exactly what we asked Bill Callahan to do in 2004. Stop trying to take a round peg and put it in a square hole or the opposite way. Yeah. He is taking what he has. You know, we always use the analogy, right? He's in the kitchen. He's got all these different things in the kitchen. He's lost a few of his recipes. He's lost a few of his ingredients, but yeah. he's still going to make some soup. And that's what he's been doing the best he can. And I, I, I admire that. Um, I do like the idea that he kind of steps on, as he says, his coordinators and says, this is what we're doing now. But yeah. I think eventually when we get to the point where he has more of those ingredients, he's going to let them do what they want to do. He's going to let them have more freedom. But right now, he's got to win games, and the only way to win games right now is to reduce possessions, avoid turnovers, and and get that defense on the field to, to make stops. Yeah, makes sense. Awesome stuff, Michael. Thank you so much. I have one final question. Yeah, no problem. Um, you're a Star Wars guy, right? I am a Star Wars guy, yeah. My whole family is. Uh, could you please rank the following from Ooh. favorite to least favorite? Oh, my goodness. Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Andor and Ahsoka. So basically the streaming shows, not that nothing involving the movies and nothing right. animated. So, so I've only seen two episodes. We haven't watched the third episode of Ahsoka yet. We're going to try to watch as a okay. family. My oldest has a job, so he's gone yeah, in the evening. Okay. So we're, we're going to watch that tomorrow. I'm, I'm actually currently um, working my way through Ahsoka as well. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I, 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 so far the first two episodes have been incredible. I, I love them. Um, I'd say number one out of all of those would be Andor. Andor yeah, was Andor, essentially, Andor 
It was essentially yeah, was a movie, awesome. right? It was essentially right. a Star Wars movie made into six parts or whatever, how long it was. So Andor first, then probably the beginning of the Mandalorian and the way it, the way it was when it started that first so season cool. yeah. of the Mandalorian, yeah. I probably would put that second. Um, Boba had so many problems and <laughs> it, it was just, it just didn't, it wasn't what it should have been, right? Like he literally didn't have to talk. You you could have just yeah. made Boba Fett who he was from the movies and the and the animated series and everything else and done it that way and made it better. So it's last. Yeah, for me. yeah. Um, My favorite Boba Fett episodes were when they brought the Mandalorian back. Exactly. Right. It's the, <laughs> right. Hundred yeah. percent. Although what, what Boba did for fans like I am of the animated series is it brought you real life animated right you got these people who you watched in rebels and who you yeah. watched in um in clone wars and it gave you them in real life which was yes. really cool like that is cool. i love that the, the blue guy with yeah, the cad eyes. bane cad yes. bane yes. having yes. cad bane in there now now supposedly killing cad bane that wasn't a great decision at all in my opinion but anyway um, nobody's ever nobody's that ever would, dead well I, I agree with that i, I grew up <laughs> watching soap operas nobody's ever yeah. dead <laughs> I'm, miss, I'm missing one right what I uh, obi-wan 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 would fit right in there i, I thought obi-wan had moments where I think Obi-Wan and the way they did Vader was something we all needed. Uh, people, my yes. friends, and I'm 54 yes. years old. I needed that. I really needed that kind of closure, even though it's not closure, but I needed to know that that happened, right? That's good for me. I don't, I don't, I never believed <laughs> that they went from a fight that created Vader to all of a sudden not seeing each other and ever meeting again all the way in the future i mean yes I, at, least, at least 19 years later i never believed that it didn't make sense it's a big galaxy but it's not a big galaxy so i yeah. love that part of it bringing vader in there and and having them fight and doing that same thing about the animated series when you had the episode in rebels where ahsoka yeah. got a chance to to meet anakin as well in the vader costume so i that all of that is made it fills in all these little gaps of my life and you can so tell they're intentionally trying to address some of those holes Yes. You know, and and I think Matt and I are both in our early 40s. So mm -hmm. we, like you, we grew up with the originals and that's all right. we had for a long time. And so uh, I, I've been interested to discover that sort of the generation that's younger than us actually prefers the prequels, they um, do. which I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah. And I felt like, so I wasn't sure how I would feel about the Obi-Wan show. And I felt, to your point, I felt like it really, I loved it. Uh, I think Matt did it too. It felt like it really bridged the gap. It answered some questions. Mm -hmm. um, even even like it never made sense to me in the original when Obi-Wan said only a master of evil, Darth. And he called him Darth. Darth, And yeah. then they they addressed it. They fixed that in Obi-Wan. Yes. And there yeah. were several little things in Obi-Wan right. that they did to fix that. So yeah, the thing, and, and the one thing, made it, go ahead. Sorry, the, the thing that, that I liked and actually made me tear up was in the Obi-Wan series when he tells little Leia, that if she ever basically if she ever needs help then he's basically he'll, he'll be there to help her and i as a father and as a star wars nut i was yeah. like waterworks like just a mess watching that i'm like he, he really does mean it he's gonna be back to help someday you serve so, yeah, my father that. in the clone only problem with it is is that when she made the recording instead of saying you served my father in the clone wars maybe she says by the time remember the time you saved my life remember that time yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. come help me again right. yeah, that would be that would be great but there's so many things that so there was a whole bunch of books that Kugler actually introduced me to that are not canon anymore, but they have taken little things like that and put it in some of these stories. And then you have all of those books about all these different uh, players that were kind of on the outside, uh, and they've taken parts of that. Like so, when you're watching um, Obi Wan and you know they're inside that tunnel where they where you had a lot of rebels who were hiding, and yeah. there's these names up on the wall. Most of those names are taken from people that were in novels or in other comic books. And so it, it was like a little side for people who had read those. It gives you the, you know, Hey, look at that name. I remember that name from reading in the comic book. So that was pretty wow. cool too. They put that in front. There's That's fandom, so cool. right? They're, they're catering. Yeah. To, it's what I said about doing a radio show. You're doing a sports talk radio show. You got to cater to your listeners. They catered to the fandom, the people who know Absolutely. it. That's who they catered to. Yeah. That's the nice thing about those. Most of the, and we'll wrap up here, but yeah, the nice right. things, the nice thing about those shows is there's, like I got my wife in the Mandalorian. She doesn't like anything Star Wars, but she loved the first season of the Mandalorian. Oh, awesome! And like those cool, those shows have so many like callbacks and references to all yeah. sorts of things in the Star Wars universe. Right. That if you are nerded out and a, and a like a really deep fan, you can appreciate those, but you don't have to, and you can still enjoy the shows. Yeah, you know, I tell everybody if you haven't watched Rebels or Clone Wars, um, you don't have to watch all of them. 
you can actually watch they have them now broken up to where you can watch them for whoever the character you like you love ahsoka there's a bunch of episodes that tell you everything uh. about her life you want to know about anakin you know with a with a padawan you can go through all of those too so it gives you a lot of that stuff um even um I got what's the general grand animal Thrawn. If you want to know about more about Thrawn and don't want to read the books, there's parts in those uh, animated series with Thrawn in it too, that you can learn more about. So there's a lot of parts to it that I love as someone who as a kid had very little, we had these movies and nothing else. And now yes. I got everything and people complain. Those people complain oh. that we got too much. I, I want to kick them in the, because I'm like, dude, you know what I had in 1978? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I had in 1983? I mean, I, I we waited years to get anything, and you now you're complaining you got too much. I yeah. shut up. Uh, Matt, Matt and Jeff and I talk about this all the time. Like it's Star Wars content. Like yeah. it's Star Wars. Just enjoy it. Just, yeah. Exactly. You know, Sit back and enjoy it. Not yeah. everything has to be your favorite. Just enjoy and everything. It. Not everything's gonna be great. Not everything's gonna be great. We've learned that exactly. with with what's happening with Disney Plus shows. We've learned that it's not gonna everything's gonna be great. But just take what you like out of it. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Michael, thank you so much for joining. Thank us. Thank you, today. Michael. This has been, this has been awesome no conversation. No super illuminating. Um, just love talking to you. I love getting your perspective on things. Um, and uh, we'll see. We'll we'll see if your predictions. So uh, we'll 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 finish by re reiterating. Michael's predictions. He's calling. He's calling for a house call on a kickoff yes. return against yes. Northwestern. Right. And was it was it twenty seven fourteen Husker victory? Twenty seven fourteen. Twenty seven fourteen. And and Kevin Kevin Kugler yells at women. That's this summary of today. <laughs> just, just one particular one who, who falls down a lot. That's the only. One. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Michael. Uh, thank you for listening once again, Common fans, and we'll be back soon. GBR. Thank you, Michael.